Thanks for listening to a YPC podcast. We believe God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we'd love to hear about it. Take a second to send your story to office at ypcprior.com and enjoy the message today. Hey, hey, hey. Thanks, guys. So glad you guys are here today. Just a point of clarification because I actually caught myself thinking about it all. So last Wednesday is not this Wednesday. It's actually next Wednesday. But I know in the, in, when you say next Wednesday, some people is like, no, wait, is that this Wednesday or next Wednesday? Like as a kid, I, I got confused. Is this and next? Like what's the difference? So last Wednesday, not in three days, next week. Next Wednesday is, uh, is last Wednesday. We're super excited that you guys are considering being a part of that. And we're excited about what God is doing in our church right now. We really are. This series has been such a timely message as we go into 2019 and uh, really start considering everything that is on the horizon. Uh, Our whole point, our whole thought of the series was we really just wanted to slow down and help you hear the voice of God. We know there's a lot of people that when you think about God, I mean, you hear stories, well, God told me this, God told me that. Well, how does that happen? How do you hear God? And that's the point of this series. If you've missed the last two inserts, they're kind of like the way I think about it. It's like, a, it's like a puzzle, maybe like a little kid's puzzle. I know for some of you guys, you still do the little kid's puzzles because the pieces are bigger and there's not as many of them, right? Uh, But that's it. I mean, it's like week one, we gave you a piece of the puzzle and it made sense and you could begin to kind of see what we're talking about. Week two, we gave you another piece of the puzzle and it just kind of fit together perfectly. Well, this week is the third part, part, if you will, of the puzzle that God is building in your lives. It's if you, don't, if you don't catch all the puzzle pieces, if you don't catch all the services, then really the full picture of what God's wanting to do is, is, is missing some things. And so if you missed last week, go back and get your puzzle piece, okay? You need to know, you need to feel, you need to see what God is doing in our church right now. Here's a, uh, a quote from Blaise Pascal. Blaise Pascal is a scientist, theologian, and Christian of the 17th century and what he said it's very poetic so just kind of go with me he said all the unhappiness of men arises from one single fact that they cannot stay quietly in their room alone the reason for this inability he found is the natural poverty of our feeble and mortal condition so miserable that nothing can comfort us when we think of it closely Later in the reading, he says, in order to not think of it closely, we return to what Pascal says, diversion, to distract ourselves, or more importantly, to distract from ourselves. This is not a decision to not act at all, though in some situations it may come to that, but rather a decision concerning how we will act. A decision to release our world and fate to the will of God actually runs contrary to everything within and around us. We've been talking about taking a season, taking moments of just getting quiet, finding a, a place. We said week one, uh, an aramos, which is a solitary place or a lonely place. A lot of us, when we think about being by ourselves, we don't like that feeling. 
We don't like, we feel like there's got to be noise around us all the time. That's why we're distracted by our cell phones, our, our uh, TV, media, whatever it is, whatever it is. Which is why we like to take 21 days here in January every year and we like to, to just quiet all of those voices. And to hear the voice of God. So will you pray with me today? Let's invite the Holy Spirit into the room. Father, we love you. We thank you for the direction that you're leading us as a church. Lord, we know that today is the day that the Lord has made. And we, we will rejoice and be glad in it, the scripture says. We make that our decision today. God, we know that today, everybody that's here, everybody that's watching online or listening online, everybody that's here right now that's paying attention in this moment, Father, you ordered their steps today. So, Father, there is a message, there is a word that is very much in season for them that you want us all to get, to receive, and to, to act out or to walk out today. So, Father, we lean into your word today. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come into the room, to come inside every single one of us, to show us things, show us how this message applies to our life. God, we give you permission to read our mail today. Just put your finger in the areas of our heart, of our soul, God, that need attention as we listen and as we look in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I again invite you to open the Bible to 1 Kings chapter 19. This is kind of where we've started our reading over the last couple of weeks. Um, where we've identified, this is the story of Elijah under the broom tree, his 40-day journey to the mountain of God, Mount Horeb, Mount Sinai. They were the same mountain, um, but they both stand for and mean the same thing. It was, a, it was a mountain. It was a place of encounter. So this is where Moses got the Ten Commandments. This is where we saw lightning, thunder, and smoke. This is where the names of God were found out. Like this is, this is the, the all-famous mountain in the Old Testament that is known for encounters or experiences with the presence of God. So here's Elijah. He's on his way up. He needs to hear God. Like he's in this place. He needs to hear God. And last week, we kind of started a two-part mini-message within our series uh, and we told you that we've really identified seven, we're not calling them uh, formulas, we're calling it more of a seven-stage process that we see through this story. And it's the same process, honestly, that we can, we can see in life if we're observant. And it's simply this, number one, I mean, he rested. I mean, it took him 40 days, right? I mean, first, before he even left, he fell asleep for a couple of days just because he was dangerously tired. Last week, we asked the question, are you dangerously tired? See, there's a good tired, and there's a dangerously tired. Good tired, you get to the end of your week, you know, you've had a, you've had a good week, solid work week, you, you should fall asleep at night. Dangerously tired, you can't sleep at night, so you stay up all night watching Chinese movies with the subtitles on, right? That's dangerously tired. Uh, and we asked the question, like some of you, well, you just need to go to bed tonight. The best thing you can do for your prayer life is to go to bed tonight and not set an alarm for tomorrow morning, to get some rest. And you're like, well, I got a job. Well, then find something in your rhythm where you can get rest. So we said, we said resting was a big deal, waiting on God. Again, it took him 40 days to get there. What was he doing that whole time? Waiting on God. Even when he got on the mountain, he was waiting. And then while he was there, 
all of these feelings begin to manifest, all of these thoughts, and listen, good, bad, or ugly, they were all there, and he vented them all. And it's okay. In moments when you're in the presence of God, I think so many of times we, we feel like we're being disrespectful to God just because we have all this pinned up frustration or thoughts or feelings or emotions, and we don't know what they are, so we, we just we feel these things when we're in the presence of God. And then the next thing we see Elijah do is he starts to name them. He starts to talk about how he's feeling. And then we stopped right there, and today we said we were going to pick up on the, the last three, which was hearing, being transformed, and then again reentering society, reentering life. First Kings chapter 19 is where we're picking up today, verse 11. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Look at this. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. I don't know about you, but at this point, I would have went right back into the cave, right? Put a, put a cloak over my face and just trembled and been like, what the heck am I doing here, right? Because anytime you get that strong of a wind that the Bible says is shattering rocks, that's some serious wind. I know what serious wind is. Uh, we live on the lake now. And uh, last Friday night, we had some serious winds. And the wind started to blow, and, and it woke me up in the middle of the night. That wind has been so powerful at times. We have this ceiling fan. We have a covered patio in our back of our house, and this ceiling fan out there. And that wind was so strong, it blew the ceiling fan out of the ceiling. Like, that's how, bad, that's how powerful it was. But it wasn't shattering any rocks. Like, this wind was so much more than the wind we've experienced. But the Bible says the Lord was not in the wind. We think, man, what a freaky encounter. That must have been God. Mm -mm. The Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire. Most of us, we read this and we're like, that had to be God. How, how you know, uh, characteristic is it or uncanny is it that he would show up wanting to hear the voice of God? All of a sudden, there's a wind, there's an earthquake, there's this fire, like, how does a fire just start, right? And so we, we would think that was God speaking. We would think that that was God doing something amazing. But yet the Bible says, but the Lord was not in the fire either. And after the fire, the Bible says, came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face. He went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He knew it was the voice of God. He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've torn down your altars. They've put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came. Go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Haziel, king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. Also anoint Elisha, son of, of Shephat, from abel Mehola, to succeed you as, a, as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Haziel. And Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. Verse 18. See, Elijah's big deal was, I'm the only one left. They've killed everyone else. My life's work is a sham, Lord. Verse 18 says, I reserve 7,000 in Israel, it says. All those knees who have not bowed down to Baal 
and whose mouths have not kissed him. So, 19 says, Elijah went from there, and he found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him, threw his cloak around him. Elisha, uh, Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I'll come to you. Go back, Elijah replied. No, you're following the J and the S, right? One of them's name is Elijah. One of them's name is Elisha. I know. Come on, Lord. We just, (laughs) could you not say Brian? Could his name not be Brian, right? All right, all right, here we go. Elisha Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I'll come to you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So uh, Elisha left him and went back, and he took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them, and he burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became a servant. You know, we learned last week during this moment, before this scene, Elijah was, was desperate. He was very desperate to hear the voice of God. You know, there's a difference in desire and desperation. There's a difference. Desire, simply, trans, or simply defined, is to wish or to long for, to crave, uh, to express want, to obtain, to ask, or to request. That's what a want is. I, I desire to winter on the beaches in the Caribbean. That's a desire that I have. It was 10 degrees this morning, for crying out loud, right? But desperation is different. Desperation is the state of being desperate or having the the recklessness of despair. The the, the act or fact of despairing, it means to despair. And as, as strange as it sounds, desperation can be a good thing in the spiritual areas of our lives. Because desperation will cause us to be open to radical solutions like silence and solitude. It, desperation will, will make us be willing to take all manner of risk in order to find what we're looking for. See, desperate ones seek with all manner of intensity for they know that their life depends on it. It's like the cancer patient who, who flees their country to another country to pursue medicine uh, some, some specific treatment that they can't get in familiar territory, so they got to go and they got to get it. They're desperate for it. Their life depends on it. The same is true for spiritual seekers who are embarking on a quest for answers that cannot be found in the confines of life as we know it. So Elijah, he's desperate. That's why it's taken him 40 days to get to the mountain of encounter. He's desperate to hear God. So we've seen him rest. We've seen him wait. We've seen him feel. He's named what he's feeling. The next thing that we see in this process or this pattern is hearing. In fact, it goes on to say, verse 12, And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face, and he went out and he stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? You know, most of us, we want the thundering boom of God's voice. We want it to be audible, right, don't we? We want it to be audible so it's not to be mistaken for our own thoughts. We think if we hear God's audible voice that it's clear, 
It's clear, and if it's clear, then I, I won't mistake it. I won't, I won't do something different because I'm very much aware of what God is doing. If it's something heard, then because it was loud enough, then I know it's God and I know it's right. But God chooses to speak in the quiet, in the still, small voice. You know, to the untrained ear, some could even mistake it as a passing thought. But to the follower of Jesus who spent time listening or tuning your ear to the voice of God, man, it's just as loud. Romans chapter 8, 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Okay, stop. 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 We're so distracted, aren't we? We're distracted by so many things. Like, I'm sitting here trying to preach a message, and you guys are watching the the lady sweep the floor. Right? You're watching the guy like, what's he doing with that light back there? Is there not a better time to tune your guitar? I mean, come on, right? Like, the dude's trying to preach here. Did you hear one word I said? Because you're distracted. That's what your cell phone does. That's what social media does. That's what a dangerously tired life does. All these things are great things to do. But in so many of us, you know what? We choose to do things that need to be done in the most inopportune times. I should be hearing God. I should be praying. I should be reading. I should be getting to know my Heavenly Father. But I got to get this done. Maybe after this. Maybe after this, I'll get to it. I'll, I'll get to it sometimes. I'll get around to it. My dad actually had a round piece of, it was a round coin that said to it on it. And uh, I said, he's like, he asked me one time, you know, when are you going to do your homework? And I said, when I get around to it, he goes, there's your round to it, right? Go ahead and get around to it. But it's true, is it not? Let me go back for those of you who may have been distracted and repeat what I just said. To the untrained ear, Some could mistake the gentle whisper of God as a passing thought. But to a follower of Jesus who has spent time tuning your ear to hear him, he's just as loud. Romans 8.14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. We could also say daughters of God. You know, God will speak to you. And one of the primary ways that God speaks to us is through his word. Like we want it to be an audible voice. We do. But one of the primary ways that God speaks to us is through his word. That's why the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. He's speaking to us in his word. It's inspired. And I know some of us are like, well, I don't understand how what he said, you know, however many thousands of years ago still applies to my life. It's because you've never read it with the lens of God speak to me through your word. It goes on to say for uh, inspiration of God, for it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every work. Simply put, the more we hear his word, the more we read his word, the more we know what he sounds like. 
the more we're dialed in on what he's talking about. Hebrews chapter 8.10 says, I will put uh, my laws, or we would say my word, into their minds, and I will write them on their hearts. When you know God's word, you know his character. You know his integrity. You know about his undying, unconditional love for you. And when people say things that are wrong, like, well, that must be God's will, that horrible thing happened to you, then you know the character of God that he doesn't use bad things to, to get to you, to teach you a lesson. I don't care what you've been taught. That's not scriptural. God does not use tragedy. Are you with me? You can't find it in scripture. Don't take someone's opinion on it. I didn't say this first service. Pay attention. Now, can you learn something as you go through tragedy? Absolutely, but that was not God's plan for your life. God says, he says, I, I don't test anyone with, uh, I, don't take, I, don't, I, don't, I don't put anyone through trials because I myself am not, am not tried, right? I don't, I don't test people. He says, he says, you're tested when you kind of give away to your own emotions, your own feelings, your own desires. That's when you're tested. He says, but I don't use that stuff. Are you with me today, friends? You know, last week, uh, I guess it was two weeks ago now, it was, I, I took Tuesday afternoon, all day Wednesday into Thursday morning for uh, just t- silence and solitude. I mean, the reason why we're doing this series is because my life has been so changed by this. And so I found a little place here in town that um, a couple who go to our church have been, opened their, their, uh, their home up for a retreat center. And so I, I saw, was finding out they were booked on this particular two days. They had it open, so I went. And um, got all through Tuesday night, silence, solitude, trying to hear the voice of God. Here I am, Elijah, heading up the mountain, right? And I worshiped, I read my Bible, I ate, I slept. I mean, I followed the process, I followed the pattern. It's good sleep. <laughs> Woke up on um, Wednesday. I can't tell you that the manifested presence of Jesus appeared. Uh, but I can tell you that I knew my soul was right. And then towards the end of the day, I'm going to guess 3 or 4 o'clock in the afternoon, I'm just hanging out. It's quiet. Don't have any music on. Don't have anything on. Um, I'm listening. And I heard something. And I don't mean I heard an audible voice, but just down on the, on the inside of me, I knew it was the voice of God. I'm familiar. Again, I've, I've, I've heard, I've tuned my ear to the voice of God. I heard these, these two words, shifting shadows. Seems random. Shifting shadows. What does that mean? Well, I am familiar of a scripture in the New Testament that has that particular phrase, shifting shadows, in it. So I just went and I found it. I didn't even know where it was at. It was in the book of James, chapter 1, verse verse 16. It says, don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters, for every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. And about that time, I glanced across the room that there was a section on the living room of this house, and they had these two chairs over against the wall, and the, the window, so the sun was shining through the window, and, and I had noticed earlier that the, the, it was shining through on these chairs, and the shadow was here. But as the sun has, has you know, raised, as the day is gone, the shadow had actually changed. And in that moment, God was answering a prayer that I'd been praying for those two days. I was believing God for a certain thing in my life, and I knew God's plan was real, 
And I knew that just because time changes, just because culture changes, just because things change, situations change, God doesn't change like a a shifting shadow. It's a tongue twister. Amen. Doesn't change like that. And so God, in that moment, used his word to speak to me. Are you with me? Man, it changed everything. I got up. Wrote it in my journal, like, God, this, I, I, I see what you're doing. I see what you're saying to me. He used his word to do it. Another way that God will lead you and will speak to you is through peace. Now, what do you mean by that? Well, the Bible talks about this over in Colossians chapter 3. Let, peace, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Several places in Scripture, I didn't have time to look them up this morning or else I would have brought them to you, but several places in Scripture, it talks about the peace of God and being led by peace. You know, you can, this is the only way I can explain it to you. It's a quickening on the inside of your heart. And so again, I don't mean you hear an audible voice, but something on the inside of you just stirs. And so let's say you have three decisions in front of you. Maybe it's a job situation. Maybe it's a house. Whatever it is, it's three opportunities, and you're praying for direction, right? And so you start praying about this one. I just usually pick one. Okay, Lord, option A. And I just start praying about option A. Lord, you know about option A. This is an option. This is the way I see it, God. This is how it'll, I think it will benefit us. It will benefit my family. This is, what, this is the way it is. And if, if as I'm praying that out, I get quickened, I get excited, it stirs me on the inside, then I know that that's God leading me. If it doesn't, I move to option B. And I start praying about option B. Lord, option B here, it's different than option A in this, in this reason. I feel like this would be an, another option. I don't know if it's ideal, but I think uh, you see things that I don't see. And if I start to get excited about it, if I start to pray more clearly about it, if, I'm, if, if there's peace, you know what I mean by that? Peace. Then all of a sudden, I'm, I, may, I may just keep on praying. If not, I'll move to option C. If there's 10 options, I'll pray them all out. But nine times out of 10 for me, the Lord just brings me within one or two. I, I feel that quickening. I feel that peace. I feel that movement inside of my heart. And I know that God's speaking to me. Does this make sense? Well, the very next question that people might ask, does it work? Yeah. It really does. I've been doing this a long time now. I've learned to follow peace. I've learned to follow the direction of God because I've tuned my ear, my spiritual ear, to his voice, to those gentle whispers like Elijah's talking about here. Amen, everyone. Simply put, following peace is an indicator of the direction of the Holy Spirit. We need God's perspective in life. And here's what I think happens. We think we know what's going on. We think our plan's the right plan because we have thought it over. And for some of us, we don't even want to ask God because we think he's going to mess up our plans. Like, God, I see it. I got this one. I got this one. You know? And then we're like, man, if I know, if I go to God, he's going to say no. He's going to say go this way. And I don't want to go this way. I want to go this way. I want to go this way. And I've done both ways, by the way, friends. I have. I've done both sides. I have said, you know what? God, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm going my way. Every time it was wrong. Every time it cost me. Every time it hurt. Every time it was more effort than it needed to be. And then I've learned, okay, well, what if it is this way? I really think it's this way, but I'm just going to pause right here. I feel like you're wanting me to go this way. This is the dumbest decision in the world. But I believe you see things that I don't see right? Because we all know that the will of God is what you would pick if you could see what God sees. 
And so, God, I'm trusting you in this one, and I start going down this way, and guess what? It was right every time. Well, if you don't ever ask, you don't ever know how to discern, how to hear, how to know you're in, you're hearing God. So the first thing that we see Elijah do, and, or I guess it's actually more like the fifth thing that we see Elijah do is he hears. The next thing that Elijah does in this pattern is he's transformed. Verse 15, the Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. In other words, don't go home a different way. I know you don't like that country. I know you don't like anything about that, but I want you to turn, get up and go right back the way you came. Go right back into the middle of it. Go right back to the world that you think is trying to kill you. Go right back into the midst of all of it, right? And so he, he, he does. And the Bible goes on. And, and basically, I think what God's wanting him to do here, this time, go back changed. This, back, this time, go back hearing what I've told you. What did he tell him? Well, he told him, when you get there, anoint Haziel, king over Aram. Anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. Anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from, from Abel Meholah, to succeed you as prophet. In other words, Elijah, you think you're alone? Because you are alone. It's because you're trying to do this by yourself. Go find three people. In fact, there are three others who love me, who serve me, who, I, who, who, who want my heart. Go find these guys and get them on your team. Get them in your life. Get them in your world is what God was telling Elijah in this moment, which we know that. We were never designed to go through life alone. And I've heard men, it's mainly men, They'll come up and tell me, I don't really need anybody else. I'm a self-made man. I blaze my own trail. And I understand what you're saying, and that's great. But don't mistake the fact that you don't need others in your life. You need someone who's going to ride in that car with you who can tell you when you're focused on this, they can see the peripherals in your life. You need someone that you trust that you can speak to. You need a life group is what you need. Today's the rendezvous. Everybody's set up. All the tables are out there. Listen, if you can't find a life group, start a life group. Start one. You need to find, you need a group of people that you can do life with that, are, that is riding in your car or your pickup truck, okay? It's riding in your SUV, flying in your plane, sailing in your boat, whatever it is. You need someone that is in your world that sees what you see. Are you with me, friends? Or sees what you don't see. Verse 17, Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Haziel, and Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. Verse 18, yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. Interesting thing about this story right here, he had to be transformed in his thinking. Remember, his prayer was, God, they've killed everyone. There's no one left. It's just me. And my entire life's work is, 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 is a sham. And God had to correct him in that moment, had to transform his thinking and say, no, no, there's actually 7,000 other people who have not bowed to Baal. Your work isn't a sham. You actually are making a difference in this part of Israel, the northern part of Israel. You are making a difference. I am moving. And you know, that one little bit of information changed Elijah. It changed him. 
Have you ever had that thought? You know, we've all heard the phrase, perception is greater than reality, haven't we? Like how I see something is greater than the truth because I see it this way. And then all of a sudden, you get one little tidbit of information and it changes everything. Oh, oh, I, I, did, I didn't know. You know, you been, might have been in an argument because you perceived someone did something this way and then you go and you confront them and you're flaming mad. You're like, how could you do that? And then when you're talking to them, they're like, actually, I, I, I didn't do that. That's not at all how it happened. And instantly you're like, oh, <laughs> that one little tidbit of information changes everything. Well, this is what was happening to Elijah. God tells him, you know what, I got 7,000 other people here. One piece of information can change everything. So here's my question to us today, all three of our weekend services. Have you allowed your thinking, have you allowed your perceptions to create or fabricate false realities in your world? Like, where, where is that happening? Where is there false realities going on? Because I just don't have the full truth. I don't have the full story. I'm, I'm filling in the, 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 the vacancies myself. I'm filling in the blanks. I'm connecting the dots. Well, is it real? How are you processing all of this? God says it's not a lost cause. I've got these 7,000. That tidbit of information changed everything. So after the days... In, Elijah's or in God's presence, Elijah's spending time in his presence. He's waiting on God. He's, he's resting. He's waiting. He's feeling all of these emotions. He's named them all. He's now heard God say, come to the mouth of the cave and stand there and wait because I'm going to pass by and speak to you. He's heard God speak. little tidbit of information has now changed his heart. The last thing that we see in the story of Elijah as he just re-enters society, comes off of the mountain of God and goes back into life. And he doesn't get to go a different way. He's got to go right back into the way he came from, right back into the world, right back into the chaos, right back, in his case, the people who wanted to kill him. He had to go right back into the middle of it. But this time, he's going in different. Does that make sense? He's going in transformed. He's going in with a new sense of reality. He's going in with a sense of truth. And the truth is, friends, we can't stay on the mountain of God forever. It's we live a life. And the temptation is, now just listen to me, to assume it's going to be the same thing. We're coming off 21 days of prayer and fasting. Saturday night at sundown, we break fast. And the temptation is going to be, some of you have been fasting social media. The temptation is going to go back and sign all that in and get yourself right back in the middle of it. Because we're nosy people. We just want to know. We just want to know. Did you see that? Even though we've learned through the series that People who abuse social media have a higher rate of depression than everybody else. Like we know that now. Social media is not bad. Too much social media is bad. Are you with me? We're going to get our phones back out. We're going to get lost and distracted in them again. Aren't we? Some of you can't wait. 
Saturday night at sundown. It's not about coffee and a hamburger. It's about that, that show you've been recording. But you gave it up for the presence of the Lord because it was too much. It was, it was commanding your attention. And you're gonna you're not even planning on coming to church next week. You're gonna binge watch all night long. Gotta catch up on my programs. You're already planning on it. Some of you, you use the fast as a way to stop looking at inappropriate material online because you're hoping you can get far enough past it that maybe you won't go back, but now you, you, you won't admit it. But on the inside of you, you know there's a seven-day countdown to where you have fulfilled your vow. And you're not wanting to, but you already see it another time when you're going to be alone. You see a trip in your future. You see something that's on the horizon where it's going to be another opportunity. My question to you is, is it worth it? Sure, go eat a hamburger. That's not a big deal. But some of these areas of your life that you've turned down, is it really worth it? To just jump head on, headstrong back into the middle of it and swim around in it when on this side of it you feel different you sleep at night you recognize the the peace and the presence of God you recognize his voice is it worth it to be distracted from it again is it worth it because that's the question you need to ask yourself as you're re-entering into life we did a series a few weeks ago talking about our thought life and we talked about all the black trees. I don't know if you remember that. I had a black tree on the stage. And we said that it takes 21 days, you know, if you're from a, a natural standpoint, to, to dissolve a negative thought and to build a healthy thought. We also said that once that process happens, it actually takes another 21 days to establish the healthy thought, to, 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 to make sure it's strong. And then really to make sure that it doesn't ever go away, it actually takes another 21 days. What if we didn't give up? I mean, if you can go back to social media and you, you watch the, uh, you guard the screen time, I'm just going to do it for 30 minutes a day. Scan, 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 post, my life is awesome, done. That's what we do. You can do it, great. You can go watch your programs and you can watch one, maybe two a night. You don't have to binge watch. Awesome. But if you recognize you're going to something as a distraction type behavior, Stop. How far could you be next year at this time if you just didn't go back to the way it was? How much can God do in your life over the next few weeks, months, and to next, even into 2020, if we don't just go back? If we actually go back to the world we came out of, but we come back differently, we come back transformed. Does this make sense, friends? I think it'll help. I really do. God told Elijah to go back the way he came, but to go back different. Not a different route, a different person this time. Go back changed. Get accountable. Get a group of people in your life to help you. And then go back and change the world you came out of. Is what he told Elijah to do. The difference between desire and desperation is desperation will drive you 
into the presence of God. But it just seems like such a battle. Exodus chapter 14, 14, I'll leave you with this. The Lord will fight for you. All you need to do is be still. Is to be still. Don't get ahead of God. Just be in His presence. Amen. You will hear the voice of God. Listen, friends, last Wednesday, this month, is going to be something you're going to want to be a part of. We're going to break down how to do some of these practices. Next week, I, I close the series, even though Wednesday is after next weekend, with kind of a re-entry thought. We're going to talk about abiding, and you're going to want to know what we're talking about. It's going to help you maintain what God's doing inside of your heart over these last 21 days. Um, it'll be the first day after the fast. Everybody's going to be slinging coffee and donuts and eating bacon and everything else, and it's fine. But how do we keep it? So be, be a part of these guys. Let it, don't, don't just come with, with three pieces of the puzzle. You need the fourth and even the border still, okay? You need, you need what God wants to finish in our church here. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, we are moved by your word. We're moved, Father God, to this place of the Aramos where we can spend time in your presence. And still, Lord, there's still just a handful of us, God, that are asking the question, how? How, how, how can we make this happen? How can I do this with my schedule, with my time, with my family, with my distractions? Well, Lord, the answer is abiding. It's abiding in you. It's being in your presence and in traffic. It's being in your presence and in that meeting. God, we're going to talk about that next week. And so, Lord, I'm, I'm praying that you prepare the way for every single person to hear this message next week. We trust you, God. Continue to speak. Continue to lead us. Continue to move us. As we spend these next seven days, Father God, pushing in even deeper. God, we may have heard you, but there's more, more to be said more to be learned, more to experience. So, Father, we, we don't throttle back these next seven days. We actually throttle forward. We throttle into this, God. And we finish strong in Jesus' name. Amen. I just wanted to take the last part of the service to say thank you. Thank you for your patience with us. I know for some of you who have children, dropping them off back there hasn't been awesome especially on days when it's like 10 degrees outside and the parking lot's got ice spots in it we know we know but it's it's kind of the necessary growth pains of our church that is growing and all that demo that's going on over there it rained on us which kind of also delayed they're cutting in a road right here and they're going to put a landing area and a dumpster and all that well then it rained three inches and so, A, believe God with us that we get a break in the weather, amen, and that, like, is go time. It is go time. But thank you for your patience. I know it's not as, it's not as convenient as it used to be, but listen, anytime that you get frustrated about what we're doing around here, go back to the app, click on those augmented realities, you know what I mean, or click on the virtual panorama, click on that and take a look at the picture, watch the videos again, you know what I mean? Ah, this is why we're dropping our kids off in the back of the building, because pretty soon it's going to be stinking awesome around here. Amen? I'm excited about it. I am. I am. The Bible says this, and I'm way over schedule. I'm going to have 130 people walking in on you. The Bible says this, 
uh, in Luke chapter 6, verse 37, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. The Bible says this, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And so to me, it kind of creates this, this, visualiz- this, visual- this illustration of measuring cups, right? You got one cup, you got like two-thirds of a cup. No, maybe it's a, I don't know, you bakers know, half a cup, quarter cup, right? They all fit inside each other, right? And so what it is, is like, listen, if you want to use the quarter cup and you that's the measure you want to use, then God will return it using quarter cups. Does that make sense? You use the cup to measure out, then that's the measure that's going to be measured back to you using cups, right? Well, my wife and I, we decided there was a days when we were in, and this is over and above our tithe. We know that. He says, give. Giving is not returning. Giving is giving. It's over and above our tithe. And so my wife and I, there was a day when we would return to God the tithe, and then we would give using quarter cups, you know? And then we moved up to a third, and then a half, and then a cup. Then we found out that gallons are actually real, like gallons. And so I, like, we started giving in gallons now. And guess what? God's faithful to look over his word. He's returning to us now in gallons. Like we're in a whole different measuring system now. We're not using cups anymore. We're using gallons in God's faithful. Amen. So this is, we're going we're gonna to worship God with our giving today. Offering buckets are in the back of the room. There's offering envelopes back there. If you have cash or check, um, you can go into yourplacechurch.com if you want to do it online or the giving kiosk is available. Give through the church app. Whatever works for you, we make it easy. Stand up with us. We're going to pray for you. And then we're going to worship God with our giving. Father, we love you. And we thank you that you are a God that says, you know what, with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So, Father, we choose today to be led by your spirit. Father God, we measure to you as a sign of our worship, as an expression of our worship. We honor you with our increase. And we love you and we thank you for it right now. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you guys. We will see you this week. You have been listening to a YPC podcast. Visit our website at ypcprior.com to hear more.